What's wrong with you people? If you're looking for a Christ-centered, scripture-driven, and student-focused undergraduate education, then look no further than Texas Baptist College. Located in Fort Worth, Texas, TBC is dedicated to providing trustworthy Christian higher education to undergrad students, no matter where God is calling them. April 8th, you have the opportunity to explore everything TBC has to offer at their spring preview day. Students, parents are invited to tour the campus, talk to the faculty, explore degree offerings and meet fellow students. And so it is also free. So get registered today at texasbaptist.com forward slash preview. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast. And I'm so thrilled today because Kyle is not with me. It's like an answer to prayer, almost a new year resolution, but even better, I have Vance Pittman with me today. Vance, share with us kind of, there, there's been a few changes in your life the last couple of weeks, but before you talk about that, I just want to know, how dare you? How dare you come onto the show wearing a brave sweatshirt? Let's go. Braves. <laughs> hey, so Matt, tell- it is an, yeah, Matt, it's an honor to be able to hang with you today. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Really honored to do it. And for sure, I, I got my brave. I didn't even know you were an Astros fan yeah. until we started talking pre. But yeah, Braves and Astros had a phenomenal World Series. And hey, if the lockout doesn't end, I guess the Braves are going to be perpetual world yeah. champions of Major League Baseball. Forever. So yeah. we'll just continue to wear that title. Uh, but no, thrilled to be here, man. Thanks for having me and looking forward to uh, the conversation. Awesome. Well, we're glad you took the time. I know, like like I said, you've got a lot of stuff going on. You're, uh, you've got the Hope Church stuff. You've got the NAM stuff. And uh, and tell us briefly what your new role will be just in like a yeah. what, what would fit on a business card, that kind of deal. Sure. Yeah. Well, people that if they know me at all, they know me from being in Vegas. I've been out here now for 21 years. We planted Hope Church here 21 years ago, uh, started in our living room, you know, with just a handful of people engaging the city, making disciples. And God has done beyond anything we could have ever imagined. Going to church that's reproduced and multiplied up and down the West Coast, uh, sending people out and partnering with others to plant churches. And I've had an incredible journey here. But part of that journey has been working with the North American Mission Board, and particularly SIN Network, um, through these these years, SIN Network birthed about 11 years ago, and um, since then, been been in partnership, was a part of the founding of SIN Network with a group of guys, uh, when Kevin Ezel, North American Mission Board, and Kevin has been on me for 11 years to come work for him, <laughs> um, and for 11 years, I've deflected that, but this past summer, went away on sabbatical, God did some stuff in my heart. And my wife and I were just really positioned for whatever was next for us. And God just made it very clear that uh, he's called us to step into this more apostolic role. The last 20 years of my life have focused primarily on the local church and secondarily on the big C church in the kingdom. And I really sense God was shifting my call to more focus on the big C church and kingdom apostolically and less uh, secondarily on a local church. And so that's what we're doing. I'm stepping into role as uh, senior VP at NAM, but really president of SIN Network. 
which is the largest church planning network in the United States. Uh, this year started 600 new churches uh, in North America, Canada, U.S., and Puerto Rico. And I'll be doing that from Las Vegas. I've resigned at Hope. I'm in the middle of transition. My job doesn't start with SEND until March 1st. Um, but I've already begun doing a lot of legwork and interviews with people, that kind of thing. But I am uh, in the process of transitioning. I'll shift to being a founding pastor of Hope. And I'll still live in Las Vegas. I'll lead the network from here in Las Vegas. But I'm not on staff at Hope. I'll just preach about six times a year in the fellowship and our church is our sending church. They're sending us out now as missionaries to multiply churches with a heart for the nations all over North America through the SIN network. So uh, that's kind of what's going on. I'll preach my last sermon as senior pastor <coughs> May 1st. I'll, I'll, I'll shift roles March 1st, but I'll continue to preach as senior pastor until May 1st. And after May 1st, I'll shift into that role of founding pastor and just be a member of the fellowship, preach about six times a year, be available to coach and advise the new leadership team that we've raised up from within. One of the uniquenesses about our, our situation in Vegas is 21 years here. I've always understood that someday the baton would be passed. And so we've been planning and praying and preparing. And we've raised up a leadership team of pastors from within our fellowship. Won't skip a beat. It's a great joy for me to watch these guys that God's allowed me to raise up. You know, John said, no greater joy than see your children walking in the truth. So pumped about passing the yeah. baton to them and believe the greatest days for Hope Church are in front of them. And I'll begin this new role in leading Sin Network and trying to get my head around what we're doing uh, in North America. Okay, Vance, that's going to be the uh, smallest font on any business card. Ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a little more than you asked for. <laughs> it's so awesome. I saw that you got to take uh, Dr. Ezell out to the uh, Vegas Knights, I believe it was. And, I did. Uh, so I had him in him Monday. Nice. I did. Got him indoctrinated into Vegas Golden Knight <laughs> hockey culture. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. And, uh, and so a lot of transition a lot of meetings, a lot of all that kind of stuff. None of that at all would ever be described as stressful. Uh, but uh, so here comes this stressless life. You're just like, hey, this doesn't, you know, no big deal. No big deal. It's all easy. Uh, but yeah. how did this book even come about in the first place? And for those that missed it, we're talking about the stressless life, you on purpose, experiencing the unshakable presence of God's peace. A lot of peas there. I love it yeah. as, a, as a preacher boy. I love that. Yep. So yep. how did this come about, man? Yeah. So, you know, I never dreamed of myself being an author. I mean, I still don't even like when somebody says, you, I'm like, nah, even though this is my second book, um, I just it's just not the way I've ever seen myself. And um, but this book in particular is born um, out of my own personal journey, um, you know, coming here to plant a church uh, 21 years ago in Vegas. I came from the Bible Belt where um, I wasn't, I was raised in a Christian family, but I didn't come from a long line of Christians. My mom and dad were first generation believers, uh, first Christians on either side of our family, but my dad was a pastor. So I was raised in a Christian home, raised in a pastor's home, um, exposed the gospel at a young age, became a Christ follower when I was a freshman in college. And then God called me to ministry and began to serve in ministry. And, and after about a decade of serving in ministry in the Bible Belt was when God called me here to Las Vegas to plant the church. And I came here with kind of a chip on my shoulder um, that I was going to change the matrix of what it meant to be in pastoral ministry. I'd not, my dad wasn't necessarily this way, but the culture of ministry in the Bible Belt tended to be described <clears throat> by pastors who were lazy, didn't work hard. And so I just came with this mindset that I was going to outwork. 
and I just got a strong work ethic that was built into me. And so I'm the type guy that I'm 60, 70, 80 hours a week, the first decade of ministry here in Vegas. And then church planting in a context like Las Vegas is just challenging. It's just hard work. Um, I know it's kind of glamorized today in evangelical circles. Church planting has become like the sexy thing to go do. But at the end of the day, in these pioneer areas of the West, the Northeast, it's a really challenging call that God's placed on your life. But we knew God had called us. I got out here and then God did beyond what we could have imagined. So we not only were planting in a difficult context, but the church was growing and exploding. And I mean, we've now seen over 4,000 people come to faith in Christ in Las Vegas just through our church, not counting the ones that have been planted up and down the West Coast in the last 20 years. We've baptized over 3,000 of those people into our fellowship. Um, our church, you know, has built multiple facilities. Um, we tried for the first eight to 10 years to do this really without buildings, because I just felt like, again, I wanted to prove to the world you could do it different, didn't have to have campuses and buildings and all that. And but we wound up spending so much time, energy and effort serving ourselves, setting up and taking down <laughs> temporary places that we, we wound up not able to effectively engage the city. So all that to say, just the tension, the the stressors in my life from going at that pace for the first 13 years. Uh, we got here in 2000. By 2013, I, I, I literally hit a wall. I came home one day from the office, tried to sit down, have dinner with my family. Um, couldn't really process what anybody was talking about. Wound up going upstairs, laying down. And the only way I know how to describe it, my doctor described it as a physical version of a mental breakdown. My body literally just stopped. After 13 years of going hard and seeing a lot of God's blessing and favor, but with that, all the obstacles and challenges of the West Coast, the things like we had pastors that had, had moral failures. We had the economic collapse in Las Vegas where we lost 30% of our fellowship, uh, our, our offering. Our, we had to cut a third of our budget. We had to cut a third of our staff, even though we're still growing and reaching people. Um, we had a, a bond company that we, we built a building through. Uh, get sued for a product they'd sold and went out of business. And we're in the middle of a uh, $15 million project with three and a half million dollars of draws left and no money. The bank closed up and went out of business. And we had 60 contractors threatening to sue us and walk off site. We finally get this building built. And after three months in it, we had a, a hundred year flood. The entire campus is underwater and nobody's got flood insurance in the desert. So all that to say, my body I just kept trying to do it all myself. And I just kept trying to manage it all myself and just throw my shoulder into it, get through the wall. My body shut down. I slept for eight straight days. I didn't eat, um, didn't get out of bed. My wife would bring food. I wouldn't eat it. Lost about 16, 18 pounds. Um, and I had some guys on our team and some guys in our fellowship that loved me enough to begin to come into my life and speak into my life about doing what you'd call a hard reset where you, you know, you basically take your phone, you just shut it down and let it reboot and start over. They did that for me. And it was in that journey of those nine months of reboot where they didn't let me do anything but preach on Sunday. I couldn't travel. I couldn't take appointments. I couldn't lead meetings. I couldn't um, uh, lead our staff team. I couldn't conflict resolution stuff, nothing. I, they only let me preach. And that was even minimal. For nine months, shut everything down and re-engaged. Uh, re it was that journey that God just did some stuff in my own heart where I just realized I was, I was not experiencing 
what God had promised us as Christians, this abundant life of enjoying life and not just enduring life. I was so overwhelmed. And, and, and as I began to reboot my own life, I discovered that it wasn't just me. Um, there's a, an institute called the American Institute of Stress that says 77% of Americans regularly experience physical symptoms as a response to stress in their lives. And 45% of Americans lose sleep every night directly related to stress. And Jesus offered us a different way of life as Christians. Not that we don't have difficulty and challenge. We're not immune from that. But he's called us to a life of peace, a life of joy, and a life of abundance. And it was that journey for me of beginning to discover that and then beginning to teach our people at Hope about that, how they could experience that, that led to the writing of the book. Yeah. I, I know I am definitely one of those that has had the, the sleepless nights that, you know, yeah. the, the mind just starts to race. You had a bad meeting or, or something didn't happen the way it needed to happen. And it's just, that's all you can think about dwell on and, and the sleep just won't come. Or maybe I doze off and then I'm right back up. Mind is racing. And, uh, and that, that's a great reminder. Indeed. Uh, I want to kind of skip through some of the, the questions a little bit, because one of the yep. things we've shared uh, the last few weeks here on the pod have been six things that pastors can do to help them survive and thrive, you know, long-term in ministry. Then we shared kind of the six things that churches can do to help that. And, uh, in, in a, one of the key ways with that is with our schedule, with, with what we mm -hmm. are actually doing, uh, and, and often overdoing. Uh, so share how, uh, maybe some tips on how to build our daily schedules in such a way that would help us eliminate stress. Like, you know, maybe not having that deacons meeting at nine o'clock at night is probably one, <laughs> yeah. one helpful way, but what are some tip, tips that you would share? For sure. I'd put that at the top of the list, um, <laughs> uh, what you just suggested. Uh, but no, and, and, and so, yeah, to, to get to that, what I do with the book is I, I begin with some general principles about how you and I can experience God's peace in place of stress. And then I begin to apply that in different areas. And there's an entire chapter in the book that deals with what you just talked about, this issue of schedule. Um, and and before, I, before I answer it, let me say this as a precursor. What I'm not saying is that as Christians, we won't have stressors in our lives. There will be oh, yeah. Things that cause that, that that bring tension and angst that come into our lives. What I am saying is, we don't have to respond to that with stress, which I define as fearful concern when life's demands um, seem greater than my ability to meet them. And uh, that's that's the response. And what we can respond to that is with peace. And one of those areas is schedule. And <clears throat> in that chapter in the book, I, I use as a story the story of Mary and Martha out of Luke chapter 10, which is very familiar, I'm sure, to all your listeners. This story of these two women that have this moment with Jesus, and they come at it from totally different perspectives. Uh, you got Jesus in their home, and you got Mary consumed with intimate fellowship with Jesus. And Martha, she's there with Jesus, but she's worried and distracted about so many other things. And out of that story, I, I really ask three, I think there are three questions that all of us should ask as it applies to our schedule. And then I'll give some practical handles. The, the three questions are this. Number one, does your schedule include time with Jesus or is it ordered around time with Jesus? All of us as Christians and pastors and ministry leaders would say, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. My schedule includes time with Jesus. So did Martha's. But Mary's was ordered around time with Jesus. She was going to be with Jesus if she didn't get to anything else. And what happens in ministry oftentimes is ministry becomes the great love affair that woos us away from intimacy with Jesus. And at the end of the day, ministry is not what we do for him. Ministry is what he does through us out of the overflow of intimate fellowship with him. So in our schedule, is our schedule ordered around time alone with Jesus? Second question, is your schedule dictated by what is urgent or designed to accomplish what is important? Urgent versus important. We live today with the tyranny of the urgent. And many pastors, Christians, spiritual leaders are consumed with what is hottest and most on fire in front of them, whether it's the most important thing or not. And so we've got to answer the question, is my schedule dictated by what's urgent? Am I always putting out fires or am I really accomplishing that which is important? And the third question is, does your schedule express a heart captivated by what is eternally significant or distracted by what's temporary? And you really see this, these, all three of these questions fleshed out in this Mary and Martha story. Uh, you got Mary whose days ordered around time with Jesus. Mary is focused on that which is important. And Mary is, is focused on that which is eternally significant. And you got Martha, who is often a representative of who we are, yet includes some time with Jesus. But I'm focused on what's urgent, what's got to happen right now. And I'm really focused on that which is temporary. And Jesus says, man, Mary's chosen the good part. She's chosen that which is eternal. And so if you think about that in context of your life, like here's some questions, Matt, I'd love for your listeners to think about, like, what did you have for dinner four days ago? What, if anything, got accomplished by the last meeting you attended at work? Who read or responded to the Christmas cards that you sent out last year? How many of the birthday presents that you received on your last birthday are you still using today? Like, we spend so much time on our schedule doing stuff that at the end of the day doesn't really matter. So here, here are five steps that you can take to reduce stress or to reduce stressors from your schedule um, in your daily life. Number one, establish your daily rhythm with Jesus. Here's what I found in my life. Everything else in my life, emotionally, spiritually, and relationally rises and falls based on my time alone with Jesus. If I am building my schedule around time with Jesus, it's like everything else falls into place. And that's exactly what Jesus did in the gospels with the father. He ordered his day around time alone with the father. Secondly, you got to determine what's most important in your life. And that means you need to know what your priorities and values are. I'm shocked at how many leaders I talk to and how many Christians I talk to that don't know what their priorities and values are, what drives them in the decisions that they make daily. Number three, you got to build a plan for your life daily around what's most important. And let me give you an example of this. Um, uh, in my marriage, for example, my wife and I have determined that our marriage is one of those things that matters. It's important. It's a value. So what we've done is we've built a plan. Here's our plan in marriage. We pray daily. Now, that can be together or that can be for each other, but we pray daily. We date weekly. We date weekly. We have a date every week. We escape monthly. That's a full day date where we spend a whole day together at least once a month. We get away quarterly. 
at least a night or two, a weekend, we get away once a quarter, just us, and do something together. And then we retreat annually, which means several nights away, maybe even a week that's just she and I once a year. So that's a five-fold strategy that we've built into our lives that impacts our schedule based on something we value. And you can do that with every area of your life that's a value and something that's important. So I like to say it this way. If you have more on your schedule than you can realistically accomplish in a day, then there are things on your schedule that God didn't put there. And the reality is he doesn't want them there because he's not going to give us more than we can do today. The fourth step is we got to create margin within the plan for God's activity in the lives of others. I call that in my schedule, white space. If you were to look at my calendar, my executive assistant goes in and every week I've got white space built into my calendar. And that's intentional. If you notice in the gospels, Jesus, (coughs) excuse me, Jesus was often interrupted but he was never in a hurry yeah. and he never didn't accomplish what God put in front of him. Jesus built margin into his daily schedule for divine appointments that others might see as interruptions, but were a part of God's activity in his life. And so many high capacity leaders have so filled their schedule and really wrapped their identity in my schedule being so busy that they don't leave room for margin for God to bring things into their lives that they need to deal with. And then the last thing is you got to establish accountability to eliminate distractions. Somebody's got to hold you accountable to the plan that you put in place to eliminate those distractions. So that's a, an overview of what I say in the book in that chapter about schedule. And I hope that that's helpful. Yeah. Thank you, Vance. And I know we are beginning to, to run out of time here. Uh, one that, that we also highlight a lot here on the, the show is the need for pastors to have relationships specifically with other pastors, because we have plenty of relationships within our church that can sometimes be stressful. And so sometimes we need somebody that we can, you know, kind of visit uh, about yeah. over these things. So quickly talk to us about relationships and their stressors. Yeah, uh, obviously relationships can be huge stressors in our lives. And a lot of people, both either in, in family, uh, in community and work, find relationships that can be stressors. And, and what I, I actually deal with a, an entire chapter on relationships, and I do it out of Ephesians chapter four is the main passage of scripture. And Ephesians chapter four really is, is about community and fellowship with other believers. And, and there are a lot of penetrating questions that, that you can ask as you walk through Ephesians four. Um, but but let, me, let me just try to shortly and briefly answer that by, by giving you three times uh, and and when, when a relationship maybe needs to change and how it needs to change. So if I've got a relationship in my life, in my life that is one of those stressors that's producing that angst, uh, how do I respond to that? I think there's one of three ways. Number one, you got to step up. And by step up, I mean, you got to confront the relationship. There needs to be an honest conversation where you sit down with that person and, and you need to confront the relationship. And listen, sometimes it's in the confrontation. You discover there's some things in you that need to change. And ultimately, that's all you can control. At other times, you, you, there's some things in the other person that needs to change. And, and you can't always make that happen. So, But you do have to begin with confronting the relationship. And people are so, often will say, well, I don't like confrontation. Listen, not liking confrontation is not an option. Like Matthew 18 requires us as brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't have to be mean-spirited, and it shouldn't be mean-spirited. Um, I, I hate that Matthew 18 has gotten the moniker of being the passage that deals with church discipline. That's not what that passage of scripture is about. 
that passage of scripture is about reconciliation. The aim of the passage is to reconcile a broken relationship. It's not to discipline anybody. The, The disciplining factor falls in when you've gone to great lengths in reconciliation and not been able to make that happen. Um, so first of all, you got to step up in relationships. A second thing to deal with stress in relationships sometimes is you have to step back. After stepping up and confronting the relationship, if you realize that there's just some unhealth there that is not willing to be addressed, then you need to establish boundaries for that relationship. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about uh, this in the context of of marriage or parents and children. Those are immediate family relationships. You just have to continue um, to deal with. If if what we're talking about is a stressor in an immediate family relationship, you need to go sit down with a pastor, a counselor, a small group leader who can help you navigate that. But if it's work relationships, friend relationships, neighborhood relationships, community relationships, there are times when you need to step back and put some boundaries on that relationship to eliminate the stress in that situation. And the third thing, and this is the tragedy, but sometimes you have to step away. Sometimes the only thing you can do to remove that stress is to step away and remove that relationship from your life. Paul wrote it this way to the church in Rome. He said, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. But here's the other side of that verse. Sometimes you've done all you can do and there's still not going to be peace. And in that case, the Bible and Proverbs and other places gives us wisdom about stepping back and removing ourselves from that relationship because it's not healthy. Do you hear that, Kyle Beerman? You're done. done. (laughs) I love it. I love (laughs) it. Thank you, Vance, so much for coming on. Tell us where we can find the book, and uh, and then we appreciate you coming on. Where can we find? Honored to be here. You can. You can find it anywhere books are sold. Uh, obviously, okay. Baker's my publisher. You can get it there, but you can get it on Amazon. Amazon, anywhere books, Christian books, anywhere books are sold, you can find it. Uh, the Stressless Life. And I'm just honored to be here. Thanks so much for having me and appreciate the time. And we'll put a link in the show notes as well. This was a stress-filled episode for me since I had to stare at the Braves hoodie the entire time. But thank you, Vance. <laughs> We're praying God's blessing on you as you begin your role with North American Mission Board and kind of pass that baton there at the Hope Church and uh, ask our listeners to join us in that as well. Thank you, Vance. Thanks, buddy. Thank you so much for listening, and may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel we declare. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today at Not Another Baptist Podcast. We're also grateful for our sponsors, the Christian Standard Bible who present the truth of God's Word with accuracy and clarity for today's readers, equipping them for lifelong discipleship. It's a Bible you can teach from with confidence and a Bible you can share with your neighbor hearing God's Word for the very first time. The CSB, accurate, readable, shareable. Visit csbible.com for more. What's wrong with you people?